It's time for arguably Australia's number one beer podcast, The Step Brewers. With your hosts, Papa Sweden and The Pilly Panther, formerly known as The Juice Wolf. Oh, and The Weg. Take it away, boys. Welcome back to part two of The Step Brewers podcast with Topher from Wildflower. Thank you, Dennis. Uh, thank you, Dennis, of course. Um, great work, as always. Yep. Very consistent. Good to have him back. It is good to have him back. Um, if you haven't watched part one... What the fuck are you doing here? Don't don't come here and uh, watch this. Let's... Don't ruin it. Go back. Watch part one with Topher. We discussed the year in review, 2020, mm. um, how he came about to win the Step Steppies Award, the Golden Can Wall... Um, all the releases that he did last year, um, it was great. Go back. I had a great time. Yep. Go back. And if you're only listening to the audio, go fucking watch the YouTube. Make sure you hit the subscribe button. Hit the like button for the YouTube algorithm. Oh, dear. Okay. That's not going to... You're the worst. ...get us any uh, subscribers at all. So that's great. Thanks for that. That's fine. <laughs> um, of course, Klimt's here. K-Love. Welcome back. Same clothes. Yeah, look, I wore the same clothes just to keep it authentic. So did I. Um, there's, th- a, there's some more bottles on the table to really mix it up. Yeah. Shit. Good on those. <laughs> We've still got the planes going over Marrickville. Yeah. That's always, right. And always funnily fine. enough, Topher's still in his same clothes to keep it consistent Holy as well. Holy shit. That's amazing. Uh, very tightly run ship here. Mixed at culture together. It's really beautiful. Mixed cultures and cultures. That's of course, nice. Step Rose is brought to you by Preachers Hobart. <laughs> Thanks for the cabbage. Um, we love the cabbage. Oh, I said you wouldn't. This say is that why anymore. I don't. Do, this is why I don't do the intros because uh, Clint is upset <laughs> that I uh, ask for too much. I prefer the alley intros to be honest. Thank you. You just butcher our sponsors every time you can. And if any, which other, is fine because Chris loves it. G'day, anyone Chris. else in the industry wants to give us some cabbage? Uh, Make sure you hit up our Patreon, which is also, uh, you know, big friends and homies of the show over there on Patreon. You know who's not on the Patreon? Beer Healer. Oh. He's not. He's not. Loki, get your shit together. Come on the show. Come on the show. Come on the show. So as I said earlier, Tova's back. We've gone through the year of, um, of 2020, but... One thing we didn't really touch on and sort of, you know, leads into the rest of our conversation, Topher, was uh, new appointments at the brewery in December. And you got Chase in and there's a bit of a story with Chase uh, sort of getting stuck here, wasn't it? Like he, he sort of, he couldn't go back home. Um, so you kept him. It's a win for everyone. It's a win for everyone. Uh, if you don't know who Chase was, uh, is, was, um, he is. R.I.P. From originally from Arizona Wilderness uh, in America, um, so how does having Chase, you know, help you in terms of focus with the brewery and you know, going into twenty twenty one? How does it help the workload a little bit? Yeah, massively. Um, he Chase and his partner Peyton came in February of twenty nineteen. Sorry, twenty twenty. I think they came. On, it was a leap year, so I think they came on the 29th. And then, you know, everything just kind of changed. And they could have gone home. It's not that he was locked out. As a citizen, like as a U.S. citizen, I could I could leave the country tomorrow. 
Um, I don't have to get the <laughs> sensation. Yeah, <laughs> I won't. Uh, my family is here. Um, but like they, they could have, but like much to their credit, and I think it showed a lot of character to me and, and was like just a complete validation. Chase and I had met at the Tewa Project uh, Festival in Paso before that, but he and I had been in contact for a while, um, even leading into that. And so he went, they decided to kind of stick it out and just see what was going to lie here because um, they had kind of committed to, to being traveling for for a while um and he just became such a like a integral part of the team very quickly um and it was crazy to me and it kind of is crazy now like we think very in like our intuition in beer is quite similar so um it just became apparent to us over his time that well you know i hadn't planned on growing the team as such like it wasn't uh, something that we were looking for um but uh in speaking with a couple people that i respect uh in creative industries they kind of assured me that the opportunity to have someone who's so intuitive your process working alongside you is not something that we should pass up mm-hmm. um and so regardless of how that looks from an exterior perspective in terms of people thinking that, you know, you're stepping away from things or, or, you know, the, the, the work, the, the, the process of the product isn't the same because it's not that one person at the masthead, um, regardless of how that looks, just know. And this, 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 this advice is like, that's not at all the case. And in fact, you'll be able to say to me, like we'll be able to actually focus on some of the things that you really want to focus on and do them better. So, um, we took a bit of a leap and were able to get him sponsored, which meant that he could stay. And he agreed, like, decided to be. We offered him a position at head brewer because that's that's what he was, and wasn't. I wasn't comfortable with him operating in a in a role internally that wasn't shared externally from the name of that role. So mm. the things that I was really keen on him helping out with and taking over like I really wanted to, and we really have just completely empowered. I, I hope he would agree that empowered that position and say, no, that, that's, this is your realm now. Like you take that over. Um, so I didn't want to do that internally and asking a lot of him without, you know, saying he's an assistant brewer or something like that. So he's a head brewer now. And in that he, um, he looks after pretty much, um, uh, pretty much the beer making process. So scheduling and um, scheduling of brewing raw materials. Um, so like all the ordering um, and as, as well as all the packaging. So he, he basically makes sure that everything is like going to happen on time. He, and he's very, very oriented. Like not that I didn't, but it just keeping that ball in my head as well as some of the other things that I'm trying to juggle just ended up, realizing that was just I was just too much and I, I'm we started the brewery one of the reasons that we started in mixed culture brewing was obviously where I talked about the story with 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 Bernadette and the flavors but but also there's a there's a real beauty in what we do in the kind of um the, you don't have to look at the calendar as much like 
if stuff gets really busy one week and you don't get to bottling a beer, well, it's probably not going to matter that much because you're not going to release it for three or four months anyway. So like pushing it back one week is not a huge issue. And um, we, Luke and I really operated on that. And um, with me having another kid and kids getting sick and my wife going back to work and um, Luke having a kid, you know, those contingencies that we had kind of baked in by the mixed culture process weren't, enough anymore you know there's too many times where you, you can't get in because the because the child care you know got to do that drop 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 the kids at child care in the morning so it became apparent like okay the the schedule itself when we when we ride it we kind of need to stick to it a little bit more like things can get pushed a little bit back and forth but um there needs to be a bit more forward planning and i was pretty well organized but having someone who's squarely organized on it is, is really been good. So that's been huge. Mm. And it's really been helpful for me to, um, to be able to, so in essence, like I, I will, when I come to the brewery during the day, um, I like work for Chase. And I know that sounds bizarre, but like I'm one of his, he allocates my time or we go through the schedule that he's written. And I say, okay, well, I, I've got this thing from, this time to that time or I'm popping out or I really need to do computer work today. Is there any chance I, can you take all of that production work yourself and we're with, with the other guys and can I, you know, and if he says no, like I hadn't allocated any other time for that, then, well, then I do my computer work at home. Like, like that's the way that it is. Um, so uh, that kind of, has allowed me, I think, a little bit, a little bit more freedom to go home and take my mind off of work. So I've like read books, <laughs> and um, I don't know. I've like, I've like, um, just like enjoyed time with my kids. Or, like a weekend, not fielding phone calls, and and I'm way more comfortable like letting things go, like letting things go through the keeper as well. Like, um, so I suppose it's achieved a lot of things from the from the um, from the brewing perspective, like I think the the work that Chase makes is is excellent, um, and he has a really keen creative mind. Um, but I think, like I was saying, I said hinting at before, like 2020 really was this kind of internal thing where we're all just kind of making sure that what we're doing is going to be sustainable, you know, from yeah. a physical standpoint and a and a creative standpoint. Um, yeah. How how fast can you run before you burn up i suppose and yeah it's been really good that's great shout out to adam gilchrist um fucking love that guy's ears (laughs) (laughs) they're they're large he still play yeah yeah um yeah so obviously having chases you know giving giving you a little bit more of a life balance which i i 100 percent agree it's like super important um especially after the the year that was just just been um but what is it like having chase on board in terms of like uh what does he bring to the tables in terms of bouncing off each other with new ideas and stuff like that well there's a different palette which is probably the thing that we all notice the most um as in like luke and i have different palettes we blended together for years um so Chase being at the blending table uh, has, yeah, like it's, it, ju- it just changes the narrative of the conversation, I suppose. Um, broadens the flavor palettes 
a little bit and he has different sensitivities than both Luke and I. So um, that's been really interesting. Um, he He's really committed um, to what we're doing. So, like, he hasn't really um, – like, I don't think there's any beers – in tank that it, we're so different than a traditional brewery. It's not like head brewer comes in and all of a sudden the hop mixture and the hazy IPAs are different or something like that. You know, <laughs> yeah. things are so culture driven or so slow here. Um, so we're doing a lot of testing, um, like not like lab testing, but just trying out different processes yep. and tightening up other, other processes. Um, so we, you know, we're doing, different um raw raw wheat um grant raw wheat tests with the gold so using different batches different different varietals of raw wheat from two different farms so the, the one farm uh the green woods that we often use from but there's another flower farm called um, woodstock that's just down the road another regenerative organic farm um and that's been really fascinating just seeing how you know, wheat isn't wheat isn't wheat, um, and really kind of nutting down. Like, it's still in this in this box that we build for ourselves. But you know, getting understanding, I suppose, how our beer makes itself a little bit more. I know that's all super vague and quite like hand wavy, but um, yeah, we're we. It's like we're like strangely similar, so. We have like the the ideas that he has. I'm like, oh, I've been thinking about that too. Like, let's let's do it, you know, and, mm. or vice versa. Does that like having so, that, having um, that third person with you and Luke just kind of like brings almost fresh energy and um and yeah, like actually lets you have three people working on it and gives you, I guess, the energy, but the space to actually do those things that you've probably thought about for years and not had the time or space because you've had to be on the road or or do whatever. Yeah. I mean, Chris, Chris basically described it as, yeah, we needed another brewer because Tova wants to gallivant around the country. <laughs> um, so shout yeah. out to Chris if he's listening. Um, he, didn't really, <laughs> he didn't really say that. Um, but do, do, you th- do you think that fresh perspective just gives you like almost room to breathe and space but also... I think it was, uh, I think it was the guys from Suarez Brewing who were talking about like they don't give their brewers a allocation of their own beer. They give them an allocation of money to buy beer because they don't want their pallets to tune into that one brewery. Like they need something fresh coming in, um, which I thought was mm. really... That's super interesting. Which was a really interesting concept. Mm. I think it was Suarez. It was Suarez or Green Creek. Um, but uh, do you think that fresh pallet coming in, even though you guys are so similar, just gave you and Luke something so you weren't in your own heads? Yeah, and he brings a really, like, beer perspective. Like, I know that sounds weird because I'm a brewer and, and I do really enjoy drinking beer, but the, the the space where he came from, especially, you know, we're looking at over a year ago since he's been back in the States, but, like, that, that uh, the U.S. scene is so different mm. than, like, the beers that U.S. brewers are blending are, are very different than, than what we are. Um, and that was one of the reasons he was attracted to to, to work with us in the first place was the flavor profile that we had. Um, but it, it's, it's, it is quite interesting. I mean, he, he's done so many things as well. So it's like, Oh, what if we put this like that? And he's like, Oh yeah, I made that, beer. you know, I've made that. This is how it turned out kind of <laughs> for us. Um, so there's, there's, there's a, there's a nice part about that, but it, it, 
it's, it was kind of fun, especially initially, whereas now we're, we fully converted him and he just only speaks about wine, um, which, is, <laughs> which is great. Um, <laughs> but especially at the beginning, I know, but now, now too, I mean, it was actually quite nice for both Luke and I to have some beer chats because be, Luke, he, Chase was the first person that we ever, that's ever worked here, that's ever worked in beer before. Like no, no one else who's worked here has ever worked in beer. Um, <laughs> and so, so it was weird. It was a little weird for me where I was like, Oh shit, you actually know some of these people and some like we have friends in common and we like I can't be I can't be so um open about some of my thoughts until I know how you think about it as well. <laughs> um but and that, so that was actually really refreshing as well. And and quite like um uh okay, it, it pushed us and it has, continues to push us as well because we definitely can go so internal where we just like, like that idea of honing in on our, on our flavor profile. If we go so internal, then you can only see your own navel and you don't, you don't um, respect what's happening outside of your set of what's happening or you aren't, you aren't, you're not opening your mind to even being driven by something else. I mean, I'm, I'm a huge Like I've, I'm, I feel very fortunate that we're making mixed culture beer on the other side of the world from the U.S. scene, for sure. Like, I think I think the brewers that we have that practice in this space in Australia are genuinely world-class, and all of them are. And um, so that's talking about Ashley, that's talking about Costa, that's talking about Will Tatchell. Like, the flavor profile of Australian mixed culture beer is, is pretty awesome um, because I think that Australian drinkers – Brewers drink quite broadly, um, and mm. so they have pretty good palates. And that's not necessarily the case in the states. And I'm not, and that's not like me shitting on U.S. brewers at all, or, or a lot of breweries. But the, maybe it's the customer profile that just drives bigger flavors um, yep. across the board. Um, and um, so I'm, I'm quite happy to be separate from that. Um, but at the same time, you know, you mentioned Suarez and. Like Dan's place is like amazing. I mean, the yeah. beers are beautiful, and 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 um, Santa Darius, like visiting, like being there, and like that, their space and their ethos is so. Like, I'd love to be closer. Trevor from Degard, like another good friend. Like, it just, I miss it a lot. Um, and that was one of the things that there was a lot of really cool shit planned for 2020, oh, yeah. but just Stop. all like <laughs> all is gone. Um, Suarez Brewing gone. would be your happy place, Pink Panther. Yeah, I know it would be. Yeah. Live Oak Suarez, you'd be All very stuff. comfortable. I mean, there. while we're touching on the American brewers and um, breweries, Topher, um, for any Australians that don't know. Uh, Chase or Arizona Wilderness. Um, can you sort of touch a little bit more on his background and sort of what he does bring to the table um, for anyone who wouldn't know anything about Arizona Wilderness? We've had like one beer from them, which, which was, oh, man. Which was another. Let half me pull on Chase. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> um, uh, that would be handy. Um, I mean, I can't speak so much to his background. Like, I've actually never. I don't think I've seen his CV. Um, <laughs> <laughs> fair, fair. Um, but I, I think he, he was the head brewer at, at, at Arizona Wilderness, I think for like four or five years. And Arizona Wilderness, if, mountain, if, if wildflower 
in mountain culture made a love child mm. and had like four tap rooms or three tap rooms or something like that in and around Sydney. That's probably the easiest I can explain it. Yeah. Um, Makes sense to me. Yep. That's actually, that's what yeah. the beer we had. The beer we had was a Arizona wilderness, other half birthday collab with prickly pear. Do you remember that? Mm. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 And yeah, that is a pretty apt description to be honest. Like it was, we did not expect it. No. And it was delicious. It was good. We, um, yeah, so they, they really, they have, they focus on agriculture, they focus on their state, they focus on uh, I mean, making hizzy beer and selling that to people who are interested in it. Um, but really using pretty out there techniques, the brewing kit is very much non-traditional and that, that influences uh, process in a really interesting way. Um, yeah, I mean, I actually, I'll be honest with you, I, I don't... I met Chase before I tasted any Arizona Wilderness beer. Um, like I, not that I never started out, but I'm like, if you haven't caught the gist, I'm a really bad beer nerd. Like if something comes <laughs> on my desk, I'll taste it. Like I really will. I could be like, oh yeah, that's awesome. Like when I go to Texas, I definitely go to Live Oak, like of course. And I've been to Suarez as well. And um, it's the, like, I do make an effort for, for some things, but I, I'm, I wasn't, ever going to be in the Phoenix area. So didn't taste much of their beer. Mm. Um, but really, I think just Chase and I formed a relationship that, um, yeah, how's this working together? Um, so, so, uh, who, that's the easiest. I mean, they, they're, they're very well regarded, um, worldwide. Um, I think they were like, they were like a rate beer, new brewer of the year, one year. Yeah. Yep. Well, I guess the year they started. And then, um, they became pretty quick and pretty tight in the Danish scene, you know, with the likes of Mikkeler and the Superior Celebration and, and that, that kind of stuff. Um, so, like, within a within a beer nerd world, I suppose their beers are, are very, very well regarded. Um, and, I mean, the ones that I've tasted, I attest to that for sure. Um, but really, I mean, like, it, it's, that's weird. it's weird. Like, I don't know, I... I I drink, I like the beer of people I like. It's a really bizarre <laughs> thing. Um, and so I, we, you know, we became friends and then it was like, oh, like it, it, it it's, um, of course I'm going to like the beer that, that they make or the beer that uh, lots of people make who are, who are friends, I suppose. But um, I'm more that way. I'm more, I'm more interested in, the people and the yeah. relationships than than the products themselves. So um, yeah, yeah it'll be it'll be fascinating. Like I think to see how things go. And I mean, I guess he's been here. Now you say December. That's that's right. That's that's coming up on six months. Um, so um, yeah, I mean, it'd be great to hear his perspective on it. Um, we should uh, we should we'll have to get him on the show. On it, yeah. We should get him on. We know yeah. uh, we know Chris Ooh. we know Chris wants to come on for an episode now because he lives down the road. So. Does he want to come on? Yeah, he wants to come on. For I think show. we sort of said you're coming on the show. <laughs> well, I think that was more mate, the words of it. We also when said we're was, buying a pub. Yeah, well, this is cool. the classic K Love embellishment right here. <laughs> no, he was he was keen. He was keen. I tell everyone that when they're drunk. You're coming on the show. Yes, I am. Yes, I am. I guess. Oh, it's, it's a no peer pressure. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. Um, now, speaking of uh, peer pressure, uh, we, when we pressured you into. 
doing a, the first episode with us uh, back in the Time and Barrel series, we sort of did touch on um, your New South Wales ingredients focus and um, how you harness that into sort of like a bit of a superpower, I sort of say. Like you, you championed... Um, you definitely champion the New South Wales ingredients, but you know we we question if that was sort of uh, limiting you in a way. And if you haven't heard that first initial interview with Tofa, I'm saying go back and listen. But um, touching on a few months after now, we're in 2021. I was just wondering, um, you know, can you tell us what it's been like while producers and businesses have struggled to struggle back to find a new normal? You, you've sort of harnessed down even more and championed uh, New South Wales ingredients, I'd sort of, you've doubled down basically. And yeah, sustainability as well. And the sustainability is now uh, even more of a focus. So um, you can, can you touch a little bit more on that? Oh, I mean, poor Wags. <laughs> Sit back, wag, and relax. He loves it. We, we've, we've, we've been talking this episode up to him since you agreed to it the other week. So. Yeah, well, the um, I mean, like since we've spoke, it's been harvest, and that that literally finished last week for us. Um, so I found myself in regional areas once every fortnight from from February, sorry, from from January through to um, yeah, last week, basically, um, like on average, I was in Murray Bateman. I think four or five times in the in the past month in the past um few months or two months so it's a three hour drive uh, to Ravensworth Wines it's North North Canberra region um just collecting different things so I, I mean I've just spent a lot of I spent a lot of time on the road this time of year um collecting fruit picking fruit um talking with people and you know with those long drives often comes. Uh, yeah, if it went too long, we we will I'll spend the night at someone's house and and have a yarn and have a meal and and just hear about yeah different things that are impacting those regional producers and I mean I, I don't like uh, we're a very small brewery like we 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 can't like shift to the market single handedly you know we 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 can't um like I, I we. I suppose I have, I have, I'm slightly awkward with the characterization that we champion small producers because I actually just feel really lucky to like use some of these amazing things that come out of our state. So it's less about me shining a highlight on them and, and much more about me getting the opportunity to access some of the things that they grow or, or, or produce in, in some way or another. And like, I, that might sound like, I'm trying to be like uber humble brag over here, but like genuinely, genuinely is like, I still don't really view our platform. I guess the platform, like the platform of the, the brewery as, as very, it's not very significant. Like um, you, the, I don't, we can't like, I can't like bring business to another business as such. Like it's not something I, you know, I'm not like a Maryvale where I can just like, take out you know 20 pallets of wine off someone's hands and mm. distribute them through my my venues um over at Marielle's big hospitality group here in Sydney um so there's that aspect of, of that but uh, but at the same time um I don't know I I think all of these conversations and all of this time 
seeing like physically viewing people's farms over the year and over different times and uh, watching weather patterns in like six different regions all the time. <laughs> um, it definitely, it definitely um, continues to influence my ideology with beer in, 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 in an attempt to, to kind of reestablish the agricultural link between the beverage uh, and, and the consumer that like this really is a, a preserved agricultural product beer and and i you know I don't, I don't know i mean that's not like a like department of industry department of primary industries doesn't like pay me to like say this or anything like this isn't like a there's nothing like behind this other than just the fact that like it, it just it just becomes really clear to me that like what what's what's here is 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 a product of a harvest and i see other people harvesting things and i'm there with them and it's fucking hard and it's mm -hmm. real and um, I love the connection that these, some of the farmers that we work with, um, or producers have with nature itself. Um, and I yearn for that seasonality in what we do. Um, the, the ability, like, you know, it's like there, you know, there's, there's a season turn, turn a time. There's a time for different things, right? Like there's a time for, for rest, there's a time for really busy work. There's a time um, to 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 just read and not focus on things. Like I really, every time I got into the country, like every time I'm out, the country is weird. But like in a regional area, um, I I am a little jealous of the the pace. And I know it's 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 like perceived. Like I'm just seeing that, and it's not just the case, but. <laughs> really does feel like as soon as you drive back into Sydney, like my phone starts ringing and yeah. <laughs> things just get, things just start getting crazy. And so I actually gain a lot from being there. And I guess that's what I'm trying to say. Like rather than me championing them, like it's actually a real like soul nourishing process um, and, and, and process uh, influencing process. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so anyway. I don't, know, I don't even know if I answered the question, if there was a question there. But I don't think you need to. There's, a, there's something. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's the thing. And, like, yeah. Will Tatchell, you know, down here in Tassie very much does that sort of thing, very seasonal. Mm -hmm. Like, and you see that mm -hmm. in his, his beers as well. And you see, you know, the photos are stunning and it's something that we definitely, as podcast we want to go and cover that a little bit more with more video content and actually you know spend a weekend with him and just yeah understand because it's it's just it's it i'm lost for words like thinking of, like it's just so beautiful to look at and um, i would love to know what's you know, more about it and i think it's, it's crazy process to, and i think it's crazy too like i think will even said this like what he has brewers that he look up to are envious of yeah like yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, just yeah, yeah. Um, it's funny. It's funny that you say that. Like, you don't feel like you're championing, champ, champ. Jesus, championing. I can't say that. Last Jesus, episode is... fucking Christ. <laughs> you are fucking up. Bud. <laughs> I, I feel like uh, even though you say you're not, you know, promoting these producers and utilizing their products, and you know, can't, you can't have that impact, I guess. Um, but it was really a theme that came out of our judges. Um on like you know part of part of the reason 
that you you won the award was a lot of people talked about how you're passionate about local producers and talking about it like the wildflower blog is something that i think uber beer nerds or just people very interested yeah um you know i love to i love to read it and you know ourselves and james lewis and and samuel from eager beaker often send little excerpts from the blog to each other and just you know little tag of this is very horny material um (laughs) but you know it it came up it came up a lot of times with our judges and it was like it was the sense of community that wildflower builds through some of that sustainability and and using and and being a showcase for new south wales ingredients even if it is like you say maybe to you it doesn't feel like a big impact i think for the, for the outsiders looking in like we definitely see that and i think it's pretty special mm. Thanks. yeah because like not many other brewers do it no like at all really like hops come from a place and i i sort of like I think that that's that's something we've been awarded by the time that we have to spend by the the style of beer that we make. Like it it's it's a it's not a um that's not a slight on either brewer. It's just that they don't have time. Mm. Mm. Like and and not that I mean I don't really have the time either, but I have more time than than a than DJ. Yeah. Like I'll, you know, the teachers, he's going crazy. I mean, like has no time at all, but like just the, the demands of canning dates and brewing dates and things like that being so consistent and not being able to be shifted around. Like I was just mentioning before that really makes working with like things have to be done on days when staff can team can be there mm. rather than when the sun is shining or not, you know, like the, what happens outside the shed, weather-wise, seasonally, seasonality, is almost not taken into account, and that's fine. I mean, like that's not that's not a that's not a bad way to make beer. Like it, it's just it's just this part of beer now. I, I don't know. So, like you're right that many don't. I I would hope that many would like to. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's the question I was saying about the table beer is like is that a bellwether or not? Like the aspect of farming, like I'm not really sure. Like I, I was having a conversation with, um, with some people from the Brewers Association recently. And I was just like, kind of like shaking my hands. Like if we moved every independent brewer onto regeneratively grown barley, right? We would shift the entire market firstly, like if anyone's buying it, all good grain from one person, it would shift the whole market. But we could calculate the carbon savings that the craft brewing industry is making, like per ton, just by stuff, like just by buying a different malt. It has nothing to do with with um, with putting solar panels on their brewery. Nothing to do with changing out the gas that they use in their in their brew house. So no structural change from no cost to the brewery just of a, doing it, other than side, yeah. other than other than buying buying different malt, which is which is like only twenty to thirty percent more expensive. Like it's not even that much more, right? Like the cost of the malt. And we're talking like we're talking like less than two bucks a kilo. So I don't know what homebrewers pay for malt now, but for for regeneratively grown malt. And like 
how is that not something like I would love for that to be something that we talk about mm. in the future. Like if we move to a carbon economy, like what's to say there isn't on every single can going to be like a, like a pregnancy label, like something that says, this is how many tons of CO2 this cost you mm. like not to guilt you into it but just you know where you're at exactly like a pregnancy label like or like a standard drink like i i'm not advocating for that i'm not not advocating for it but i'm just i'm just pausing the question like if that was something that we had to do or you know if that was something that we were serious about um we need to really think about agriculture because conventional agriculture is 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 raping the earth like it's 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 completely it's 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 the antithesis of green um so like i, I don't know i just i'm uh, i don't, don't want to get too much on my soapbox because i get really passionate about this but um i i i hope that this can be something that that more people see outside of the carbon cost and the farming itself no-till versus and no spray versus mm. killing the ground with glyphosate and, and then and then pumping it with 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 um fertilizer like synthetic fertilizer in order for it to grow something and then spraying it with anyway um outside of the agriculture side of things um it's just better like this is a little bit more of a hand wavy argument but what he's here like on our base like our olfactory senses is a more complex machine than testing machines that are like tens of millions of dollars like mm. what we can do smell and taste with everyone's own mouth is is incredibly complex mm. and we 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 use that very incredible machine for for a lot of things but we still somehow pander to the numbers of science in order to prove things really like um, in order to prove like the, the, the goodness or the value of things. But when you take uh, a bite out of a well-made loaf um, versus Wonder Bread, you just know, like you don't, you, you, your eyes could, you, I mean, I don't even know, you could, you could like decrease your senses by half and you'd still know. Or good milk versus not good milk, good cheese. You could do this with every type of product. Um, for me, I, I can. And, and we do have like this like weird innate sense. Like when you eat good potatoes, right? Potatoes are an easy one because there's so many shit potatoes out there. Tasmania but like good potatoes. Mm. Yeah, yeah. We're lucky. <laughs> good potatoes, like you just chop them, oil, salt, oven, and they're fucking out of control. Mm. Um, whereas you just can't do that from stuff that you get at the supermarket. So why do we, like, can we, can we pr prove that point through to the barley? And I would argue that, that, that beer that's in this can is evidence of that. Like yep. we can make pretty good table beer with, with non, non certified, certified, but non regenerative grain. Um, but those little percentages that we, we aim for as brewers in terms of really tipping the scales or really making something that's nourishing, but still really low in alcohol. Like I'm not sure this would be the same thing. Actually, no, I'm not, I'm not sure. I'm sure this wouldn't be the same thing if it wasn't yes. organic. And I'm not, I'm, I'm, I'm of the opinion that if it wasn't, it wouldn't have garnered the kind of 
public support, if you will, like of people just not really even knowing why they like it so much. Mm-hmm. Like, and I think that people have said that to me. They're like, I would have never liked 2.9% beer. There's just something about this. And I'm like, that's great. And I'm like, oh, I want to tell you what it is, but I also don't know where you sit on the organic, non-organic world. <laughs> um, and I don't like, like I, I don't know. I feel like I can preach to you. You'll give me a platform to talk about this, but yeah. I feel like in Tasmania, yeah. like we take it for granted because like we have such amazing produce and such small mm. producers yeah. that are just immediately accessible to us. And I always find this when I like, when I travel or go somewhere and someone tells me something is like fantastic and the produce is amazing. And I always just think back, I was like, fuck, they haven't been to Tasmania yeah. because yeah. it's like so many of our restaurants are fantastic just for the stuff they get. Um, and you know, yeah. we can go down to, down to Farmgate market and, or, you know, local so stalls or, you know, my family grows all its own vegetables and fruit and nuts and stuff. And I, dad just gives me boxes of it and I just take it for granted. And, you know, my brother bakes some of the best, best pastries in bread in Tasmania. And it's like, we just get that all the time. Like mm. you take it for granted so much. But the interesting, mm. I think the interesting idea in, in the whole suite of what you just said was like, there's such a demand side thing we can do where we could all collectively decide to do something that has a limited impact, like in terms of grain cost, the the cost on shelf that that translates to would be limited. And if everyone in the market did it, we would have no competitive disadvantage against each other because we would all be doing that collectively. Mm. Yes, big Mm. beer, big beer would probably not agree initially or maybe never, but if our beer tastes better, it doesn't matter. Well, the, the the Greenwoods who grow the green for this, they they've knocked back contracts from Big Beer wow. for the last like two or three years because we've been doing like not it hasn't been because of us because they've been but because we have this relationship with them and 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 with Stu the maltster and things like that. Big Beer Big Beer sees this like they know what's going on, <laughs> like they're not and I'm not saying like we're like they're watching us but they they know where the market's going. Right. And, and um, so I wouldn't be surprised uh, if we start seeing. If they do it first. Yeah. Oh yeah, definitely. Um, And I, and I like, that'll be fine. Like it's whether your wine is made conventionally in the winery or not, I don't care how you find your grapes. I care about that. Hmm. Um, So I, I'm, I'm not saying, I don't know. I, I don't know if I carry that across directly to beer, um, but, uh, you know, it, they, big beer does care about it, but they only care about it because they think the consumer cares about it. Mm. They don't actually care about the soil. Like they, they don't, they're not out there with Chris and Sam. And that's where I feel like we as a small beer community can actually make the circular economies. Mm. Cause the other thing is like, if the, if, if Chris and Sam didn't meet spec for one reason or another, because they're. I don't know. They maybe they got a late rain or something like that, and then the spec, the barley spec didn't didn't hit malting grade. The big brewer just walks away. Just go, yeah. Oh, yeah, fuck you then. Off yeah. we go. Yeah. And they have to sell that into the feed market at a much lower price. Whereas, yeah, like what we four, say is like well, three hundred bucks a ton or something stupid. Yeah, exactly. And, and so we, yeah, we just we just and Stu just go like, well, we'll just work with it. Like we will just brew differently mm. in order to get that. Like, isn't that our job? 
like as craft brewers, as craftsmen, your brother who's a baker, every single milling of a flour is different. Yeah. Every time there'd be a new mill run, they have to change yeah, recipes and, in process. And, and I mean, they do like a lot of their own st- stone ground flour and stuff. Um, oh, we'll, we'll take you there. It's across the road from Bottle Tops. Um, so pi- pi- is he a pigeon? Yeah, he's pigeon. Oh, oh my God. Oh, yeah, God. you know. You know. I, know I'm, I know the products. Yeah, <laughs> don't worry about that. I think he's I think he's head of pastry or something. I don't know. He, he's good. He knows what he's doing. Wow, that's amazing. He's, he's one of the chefs from Franklin, so you've probably met already. Um, yeah, was, okay. was, was. Sorry, I'm derailing yeah. it. No, it's fine. Um, well, we're actually going to push on to 2021 and um, what has what, what we're drinking right now is a... How you going there, Wig? That's insane. What? <laughs> the honey a, in that. Are you having a special moment? Yeah, we're just... Um, well, have, you just had like, it have you had it before, Wig? Or no, no this is the first time. He did buy a Magnum <clears> over there, of course. <laughs> I'm very glad I've got a Magnum. I might just solo that. <laughs> <laughs> Magnums are for sharing. Magnums are for lovers, Wig. You know that. You do know Fuck. that. Um, but It's like 7%, 7 something. Is it? Wow, that's big beer okay. from you guys. Mm. It's so, mm. so luscious. But... um. Before we get into the Hive Post Brewed more, um, what is happening for 2021 for you guys? I know that you've got a bit more of a, um, we've got a couple of whiny, whiny things happening uh, down the pipeline this year. Obviously, you're coming down again for um, bottle tops and there's also Bright Side that is uh, yep. coming up really soon. Um even coming down to Tassie for that, which is exciting. Launceston, my Launceston. No Hobart, but I guess we got you for Road trip time. <laughs> Looks like we're coming up for a little Lonnie road trip to my old hometown. Oh, that would be good. Yeah. Oh, that would be great. Hang, hang I'm out. sure Tatch, Tatch would love that. Tatchel, we hang out with Stu from Ocho, maybe. Be rude not to. Be rude it? not yeah. to. But, um, yeah. yeah. So far, you know, it's April. Tell us about um, 2021 so far and how it's Oof. going and what you continue to it's do like, for the rest of the year. The, if, if, if we turned the volume down a bit in 2020, it's definitely come right back to where it was in 2021. <laughs> um, it's, um, I think just with that extra support from Chase and, and us just getting a little bit better about how we do everything and becoming a more cohesive unit. Uh, again, all these things that don't really make that much sense, but I'm just saying them like, because it's true, but I can't like physically point to what that means. Um, it just, um, we're just, uh, yeah, we're just working really well together and there's a lot of things that are happening because of it. Um, so we're, in terms of releases, well, in terms of what, like what you'd see, I suppose, in terms of what we're talking about, there's, it's been a long grape harvest uh, here in New South Wales. And I was speaking with a, with a grower today in Adelaide and he was saying that like South, sorry, South Africa's had a pretty rubbish harvest. Um, New Zealand's, not looking great it wasn't they had had some frost issues and some yield issues in these like some areas in new zealand um and then of course europe particularly france has been hit really hard by frost um already so 2021 for australian wineries is going to be a really good year um quality was pretty good fruit was really good but also the timing of a lot of people's harvest was quite spread out because we had a kind of cooler summer, cooler, more rainfall summer. summer. Um, And so that has meant there's been a lot of opportunities for us to be working with grapes. So we've been working with grapes since mid-January and 
like we just racked beer onto Montepulciano and Gamay today. Um, and that's, that means that all of our great beers are under beer now. All right. So everything's down for its sort of re-fermentation now, but it's been a, like a long season. So it's like, it, it seems like we'd always like, it, it actually has seemed like for a while that we're just doing like, everything's just great. Grapes, 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 but mm. it's we've, it's because we've been able to do it. We've been able to, to been able to plan for that. Mm. Um, but what's coming up? The bright side stuff is genuinely really exciting. Like I, I'm, um, I don't often do like more than one Instagram post about any one beer, and this has been like pretty he- pretty heavy. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, that's being released. Um, those beers are being released um, next Friday, May seventh. And those are beers, as I alluded to before, using um, fruit from Ravensworth Winery in Murren Bateman, which is uh, very much a no spray. They are becoming certified, um, but always have farmed organically and in this kind of actually it's like super organic, very regenerative me- method. Um, and uh, all of those beers are smoke tainted. I mean, um, if you follow our socials, this is nothing new, yeah. um, but uh, I just couldn't look at those being thrown out essentially it was like fuck yeah. it we gotta do something with this yeah so i mean and recovering a bit of cost of the harvest for brian and and a little bit of challenging perceptions because the beer is actually pretty clean but can you can you walk into something that has what one industry realizes is, will only characterizes as a taint as a as an off flavor and um and accept that so it, it's going to be fascinating like like mm. much like putting table beer into the world just like ooh, how's this going to go um what was this there's smoke, been a lot was, of interest in the what project was this, what was this smoke tainted beer that we had was there one that has come out already that had a smoke smoke taint was that not from us no. um uh the guys from yuli's made one Oh, okay, I thought. Yeah, um, I thought that I know about. I mean, there might be more. I'm actually not like again. I'm in my own little silo, so I'm actually not really sure. Oh, okay, no, I just so, for some reason in my head, I thought we'd tried a wildflower beer that had something smoke tainted in it. But I think I must be imagining, it. or maybe it was one of the um, one of the those early releases in 2020. You're probably just thinking of the the beer name playing with fire and thinking smoke taint. <laughs> oh, yeah, know. maybe, maybe. Who knows? Ignore, ignore. I'd be excited to try that, actually. Yeah. The smoke taint. Because mm. I remember hearing so much about it, especially in Tassie when we had the bushfires. Correct. Not last year, the year before. In 19. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we had, yeah. We had a lot yeah. of um, smoke tainted uh, cherries from memory that got used in some some ciders and stuff down here mm. um but that was super aggressive right um yeah i think yeah so cherries cherries get it too yeah i'm pretty sure someone's cherry harvest in the huon got it and it was mm. it would have there was a lot use, of fires down there yeah they tried to use yeah. it and it was it was pretty aggressive stuff um in a big cider wow yeah fuck we have to get lots yeah of so that that that's really so when are we going i'm 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 really excited about that and there's alongside the bright sides there's a few saints there's the last few saints there's three saint florences and one more saint walter we released them together with the bright side ones because those are also using smoke tainted fruit um but using the aged beer so bright side is with young beer the saints are with aged beer as normal it really brings out a different different side they are there's a there's a there's a really common thread between them so i'm not I'm trying to like, oh, you have to buy them both, but they do make a fascinating 
comparison. Mm. Um, and we wanted to do them side by side. So um, we released all those. Um, and we're working on a lot of, um, in the latter half of the year, you'll see a lot of kind of more grain focused beers, like kind of in the same vein of um, things we've been speaking of, like I suppose it with the, with the, the wheat trials um, of gold. Um, Chase and I are really just getting keen on seeing how the different varietals of grain um, we're doing the project with um, the perennial grain, um, how those are, you know, characterized in, in beer. And so we've been making these like little saisons. We, I mean, we call them saisons, I suppose, but just like little 500 liter batches um, fermenting in a single punch-in, aging it in the punch-in for a month to two months and then, and then bottle for another sort of three to four months. Um, just these little runs that, you know, kind of exist just for us to be able to play around um, and the, I thought that, that I'm excited about that, those releases as well, just because it, people are really focused, I think on either yeast profile or hot profile. And I don't know, I do love grain. Like, like, <laughs> and I, and I love, I love like the flavors Simplicity. that you can get and just kind of, yeah, really celebrating that aspect. I mean, we do it enough with, with wine grapes, right? Like why aren't in varietals there? Like why, you know, why am I? you know, a bit of a challenge to myself, like we should be, you know, going that deep in the grain as well. So um, that's really fun. Um, and uh, we we were tasting today and, and we have been tasting a couple of times um, some of the barrels of beer that we made up in Mountain Culture in the in the ghoul ship. Mm. Um, oh, was that out of In a very lambic method. Was that sitting out on the balcony or something like just silly sexy with the sunrise coming up? Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. sunset sunset, sunset. Oh, yeah. Is, yeah so those are um i don't know if that's going to be a 21 release or a 22 by the time we end up getting some in the bottle because it could be you know good six months in bottle or something like that before we decide to release them i'm not sure but um i i i'd hope to see a blend of that this year wow maybe next maybe early next but like yeah we'll definitely blend it soon the cool ship. Food of beer, food of beer two, food of beer two food, food as well probably this you, year. How do you pronounce it? Food or food Ellie, or is it fodre? Fodre. <laughs> Butchered Fodre. Australian bogan <laughs> pronunciation. Yeah, it's interesting to three, think, three, three years in oak. <laughs> it's interesting to um, think about how the cool ship stuff is gonna like change wildflower. Um, not yeast, but direction, like, because mm. you're sort of almost giving yourself like a little, you know, something fresh and exciting to to come along the ride. And, you, you know, you've got the gold or you've got the house culture or whatever you want to call it. Um, but now you've introduced this sort of sexy wild thing that you can put places and... Do silly things with. Do silly things with. And it just, like, it could introduce this whole new flavor profile that might mean nothing like we know of wildflower, it might be something completely new. It's very. Oh, it's, it is very new. It's very different. I mean, one of the other reasons of having this, this shit, the second space is to be able to conduct fermentations over there and over there. It's just in the building next to me, but um, we don't use the house culture over there. Like, so that, that space is just right. spawn, like the spontaneous beer beers or, beer started by flowers so 
Uh, we, we do have another batch of bottle drops. We just bought all a few weeks ago. So that'll be probably just after winter. Yep. Um, and that, that's really cool. That's a fun beer. And I, I'm actually like really, uh, I really like, I really like using the cool ship. I think it's a fascinating tool. Um, I'm probably more drawn to the flower ferments, to be honest, which is, is, is good because it, it's in keeping with the name of the brewery. Um, but uh, I haven't said this to many people, but the idea of thinking about like traditional lambic brewing, that idea of tradition only goes back a few hundred years, right? At best. Mm. Whereas um, there are language groups and, 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 and clan groups in Australia that have fermentations started spontaneously from that time era, or one particularly in Western Australia that uses flowers to start its fermentation. Well, that, that, um, that goes back to, and like that's your, happened for, you, that goes back to like your discu- yeah. discussions with, um, with Max Allen. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, um, definitely. Yeah. And when he, yeah, I, I would think we, maybe we talked about that one on the first podcast, but like, I think, I think that is becoming more important to me to think about that and to not, to again not not pander to a European centric style of yep, beer yep, production, yep. and instead once again I suppose champion how we do things here down here yeah. in, in in the Gondwan arc of Australia, you know, like so I, like I I'm I'm really excited. I think I think the beers taste really good. This this stuff through the cool ship that's using aged hops, turbid mash, all that stuff. Um, but at the same time, I mean, why is that something that will be? I mean, I can imagine in the in the in the beer nerd or in the beer market, and I mean, I I, I can't say I'm devoid of it myself. That will be something that's very exciting to to release. Mm. Um, but I I almost kind of want to get to the point where you know using a hundred percent, you know, Banksia or Waddle flower ferment yeah. is is just as just as exciting and, and it's in some ways more special um because it's ours it's uniquely australian yeah 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 um i've just looked over at young weg and noticed that he's pretty much my glass is empty do you want the dregs boy i'd love him <laughs> hand him over um weg has enjoyed that immensely do you want to uh do you want to talk me through what's going on the palate drinking that little sucker because me and neto and and Ali spe- shared a spe- pretty special moment with with Nick Burks from uh, from Boodle. It's not highly technical analysis. Talk to us. We love we love you at this journey. Like you're just feeling everything raw and real. There's no yeah. bullshit. No. All right. So first thing was you put that in your mouth. <laughs> Front of the palate, it's like oh yeah, you get those honey hints, right? Give it like <laughs> I barely gave it twenty seconds between sips. You probably. As you, as you mentioned, I finished it quite quickly. <laughs> but <laughs> seriously, how can it be that much of a honey vibe, right? You get the, oh, like the honey, on the back of the palate. It's almost honeycomb in the back of your cheeks. It's unreal. It lingers as well. It's yeah. literally get up in the morning, toast some fucking really unhealthy white bread, <laughs> whack some pure Tasmanian honey on that shit. <laughs> and that's the vibe yeah. I'm getting here. I love that Do you get shit. The, so I think the first thing that we sort of said um, when we had it for the first time at Boodle was that the waxy sort of mouthfeel mm, it leaves mm, as well. Mm. It's like yeah, nothing it's, like I've ever had before. It's very, it's very visceral. Like it's, 
Yeah, definitely. And it was funny because we were drinking it and um, like sharing it with Neto. But also a friend of uh, mine was there and she runs a science podcast, mm-hmm. uh, Dr. Neve Chapman. I am. Huh. Yeah, yes. And uh, she's in, she's actually, she was tasting it and she was blowing out a little bit because she doesn't drink a lot of crazy beer. Um, and we were talking about the palate and you were talking about it sucking in the back of your cheeks, I think, or maybe like back palate. Yeah. And so she's invited us to come on to talk to a... Um, a scientist about taste and how it moves across the palate and stuff because she was so blown away by this beer. Mm. Very Can I come there's on a new book. There's, there's a new book. Yeah. Go no, nah, you're right. Carol I was McGee. just going to fucking make shit jokes. That's <laughs> <laughs> yeah, don't do it, Weg. What's the book? Oh, Nosedive, and it's written by Harold McGee. Yeah. Which, if anyone's in food world, like on food and cooking, yeah, like it's a it's. I just, I just got it. It just arrived in Australia, so I just got it. It's like an encyclopedia. And you have so time. it goes through the science of taste. And you have, to, uh, no, you have time to read books that. now. So thank you, thank you, Chase. <laughs> yeah. So I've, I've got two more to read before I can get onto that one. But um, <laughs> yeah, I'm getting there. Um, yeah. Well, the, the beer is actually for, so it's not just we don't use honey as such to make that. We use what Tim affectionately calls honey wax. So a term that he made up because the style of beekeeping that he practices is is very um, is not very widely practiced in the world, um, especially for um, sometimes at home, but especially for for a uh, a beekeeper who's that's also their, their business, um, and he for that product for the host brood honey he leaves the comb in the hive for like three plus years oh wow! and over that time the comb is covered you've got to read the description on the blog i'm mm. serious it'll blow your mind yeah, okay and um, because i'm not even doing justice right now this is what gives the, this is the flavor like this isn't just normal honey this is the it's, it's comb yeah. this it is tastes like comb it's crazy so yeah so so he leaves the comb in the hive for three years and during that time the bees fill it with honey, then they use the honey, then they brood in the honey, as in they they put eggs in it, and then the kids get born, I guess. I know. Um, and then they fill it back with honey, and then they seal that, cap it off, and that's usually where the honey process stops, right? Like, it's like, mm-hmm. okay, cool, we'll take the sealed honey, and we'll open those caps, spin it out, and off we go to the jars. But the, the bees don't make honey for us. Like, they... They make it for themselves for storage. And when they're truly finished with it, they'll continue covering the comb with propolis and bee bread um, and uh, pollen. Fermented pollen is bee bread. Um, And uh, so when these combs come out of the hive after three years, they're black. Like the color of the comb is black. It's not that clear, waxy, yellowy color. Which, uh, depending on the seal that you got, the wax seal that you got, there might be black specks in throughout that. It's kind of tough to see sometimes. Sometimes you see on the cap more. Um, so, yeah, it's got a, in order to process that honey, distinct color there, it's, it. yeah, it's a bit more like that's why the, the color of the, the label, right, has that kind of reddish dark cover, the cap yeah, seal. Yeah. Um, and if you go on Tim's Instagram, He's got he he takes photos of these comb and it's incredible, but 
in order to process the honey, Tim doesn't spin or press any of the comb because that changes the nature of the honey. This Tim is like next level producer. Like seriously, he's won so many awards for what he does. Outside of the awards, the flavor in the honey is just out of control. And it was tasting his honey when I was like, holy shit, I've got to use this. Like I've got, but his post-brewed honey is like 50 bucks a kilo. So like, there's no way I'm touching that stuff with a type of bowl to put into beer. Like that's going straight in my mouth. I love that. Um, not fermenting that shit. But after forming a relationship with him and um, funnily enough, he, he dropped in today. He hasn't been here since um, just, just before we signed the lease before COVID, but he was coming in for, for an event at fire door um because he's a main supplier one of the main suppliers there and oh, big mates with um your, your favorite len dog um len dog so with, with len dog with Lennox, him um they, yeah <laughs> um so they're 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 pretty mates. so he, he he and he he came into sydney um and he dropped in and we spent some time we tasted together hide post brew blend two which will be coming out sometime this year, which is very exciting. <laughs> Load up the magnums. Um, <laughs> Load them up. But, uh, I, I hope we pack some magnums. I actually am not even oh, sure. No. I know. just forget. I know, I, know, yeah. I know where a retail uh, outlet got a magnum and they don't think they're going to sell it and I've already lined myself up to get it. So I'm not going to talk about it because I'm going to go get it tomorrow. Of Hive. That must be cool wine. I can't talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> Love you, Nikki. Oh, no, maybe it wasn't that. I don't there know who it is. was. Um, anyway, so um, the anyway the the so he doesn't spin or press the the comb. So instead, what he does is he he made this special mill to be able to to it kind of like chops it like this. So it breaks all the caps, and he just lets it gravity strain out of the comb. Hmm. Um, over the few day, over a few days, and what he gets is what he gets. It's like that's that's the best. And he has done in the past. He has pressed that comb that's left there, or spun that out, or kind of warmed it just a little bit to see the flavor of what he gets that's left on the cap. And he doesn't when when you when you're processing it that heavily, um, like with the warming it or pressing it or spinning it, you get a different flavor in the honey. Yeah. And he's like he's not happy with that being in the bottle. So what you would traditionally do with this style of beekeeping is you would wash that comb with water and that's comb washing. And then that's, that's what you make mead with. Mm. Traditional mead is not diluted honey. It's, comb washing, yeah. it's a byproduct of the process. So mm. it's comb washings. And so um, when he and I are talking about that, cause we, we've been friends for a few years now and, and um we never, we always kind of wanted to do something together, but for me, I didn't want to take away from his main production from what he's doing and what he's actually selling to make money from. Um, and I also didn't want some like tawdry kind of, you know, oh, we checked the honey in there and then we made the beer, like some sort of like, mm. I don't know, not tawdry, but like I, I knew, we just both knew that there was something more, like there was a better use of both of our products. And wow. so when we finally started talking about the bi the post brood and then how it has this honey wax, he calls it. So the, the, the comb that still has honey on it. Um, I was like, well, that, that's it. Just instead of washing it with water, send it to the brewery and we'll re-ferment it on aged beer as if we would, Fuck yeah. as if we would a, um, a fruit. So we, we bring the, we bring the, the honey wax in, uh, put it into a stainless steel vessel, select barrels, rack barrels onto it. It's a month in fermentation 
Um, and the, the ferment usually finishes within the first few days, but we leave it on there and that's where you get the, a lot of this, the, the comb characteristic mm, yeah. coming out. Um, and so when you say waxy, I mean, that's, there's a function for that. It's spent time on yeah. comb, like on real wax. Yeah. Like it's not it's strained like, honey that we're, that we're talking about. And then, and then, you know, when we're finished with the beer, then we take that comb out and there is no honey left on it because the beer is chomped it all away. So it's a really efficient, like washing, mm. right? Like it's again, someone else's byproducts yeah, wow. that we're putting into a beer. And then we, um, we melt down that, that wax in a solar wax melter. So like I'll take that and put it in, you know, uh, it's like a, it's essentially like a window, like a box with a window on the top, and then the kind of the the wax just is allowed to to heat up the sunlight and and melt down to the bottom, and that's the wax that the that, that they're all of that they're all sealed in, of the same one that it was of fermented in. Of course you do, of course you. Better. This is just like <laughs> some insane verbal recipe guide for all of these fucking beer nerds around Australia at the moment is <laughs> all I'm getting from this. Like the amount that you know about all of this shit, even like the background in the honey stuff, the conversation we're having about the bees. It's like, dude, how much fucking time do you have? Uh, raw thoughts. So me. impressive. <laughs> I was going to say, like my, I was going to say, does that about answer it for you uh, over there? Yeah, right? that's yeah. just about it. All right, then moving on. Well, Wig, I don't, I don't want to derail the four-hour interview. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But... but now that Topher has all this extra time on his hands with yeah, Chase, yes. can you imagine yeah, the next yeah, episode? Yeah, like, yeah. I mean, yeah. it's we- literally going to be a sixteen-hour monologue. Well, I don't, I don't, want to, I don't want to spoil anything here, but you know, Topher has been doing a little bit of pottery of late, so mm. we should probably have a pottery episode well, at some stage. Right. He's making his own, uh, his own glassware. Is that what you're saying? That's that, that's next. Puffs. I'm not giving away anything. I do. I, yeah. I make cups. Yeah, for sure. I made lots of. I made cups. Yeah, I like cups. Wegs I off. like jugs. I like jugs and like cups. I like vessels. Wegs just off camera, smiling <laughs> ear to ear, and nodding his head. Who's a? Is Wegs your potter? No, no, no. Wegs, you, no I wish I was no that talented. Wegs, Wegs, a talented, busy man. Wegs, you need some spare time in your life, mate. I don't. I imagine. Don't all we all? Don't imagine all the beautiful things you could create. When we do have some spare time. Oh, actually, speaking of creating beautiful things. Oh, no. Tofa, I just want to say there really is a traditional precedence here of the winner of the Steppies Awards. Doing a collaborational beer oh, no. with the oh, Steppies. That is brewers. true. We did. Now we, I we was thinking. One. I was thinking along oh, yeah. the lines. You were thinking of of Tom. Hi, first fruit. No, 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 oh, okay. of Tom. But we call it Weg. No. Oh, like a follow, oh, right. like yeah. a follow on. For yeah, Tom. exactly. And yeah. everyone will be like, "What the fuck's a Weg?" <laughs> mm. Everyone then, knows what a wig is. And then, and then Topher writes a two and a half thousand word blog on the wig. <laughs> yeah, on the wig. I'll send you my autobiography and you can sure. go from there. Right. Seems like a Thank selfish personal Done. collaboration. Well, we can call it Ali if you want. <laughs> well, given how, given how badly you want your Bucks weekend to be at Fire Door, we should clearly go to Wildflower if we do go to Fire Door. 
Well, it just goes hand in hand, doesn't it? You could just drink Wildflower at Faradora. It's so much easier. Well, I'd rather come and visit you in person, Tova. It would be rude not to be in <laughs> We'll be, ri- we'll be riding our leather-bound bikes with our little bottle <laughs> carriers on them. It'll be delightful. That's true. <laughs> That's true. I'm down. I'm down for it. That's not till next year. I don't have to you, need to, you need to book now. Like, no joke. I know. It's, just, it's gotten out of control. I'm leaving it till my, to my groomsman, someone who is sitting next to me, to sort that out. <laughs> oh, I didn't even know that was my role. <laughs> I know I'm Fuck. technically not a groomsman, but do I get an invite to that? Oh, you probably yeah. should come. Probably. Yeah, you should probably just come. check. Look, we're going to be here if you want it's to. A, it's a steppy strip. Yeah. Wow, wow. But anyway, yeah, if you want to follow up on that collaboration or beer, just um, hit us up at stepbrewerspodcast at gmail.com. Oh, dear, dear me. Um, what we were talking about before, and uh, I don't think Clint was here for it, was um, Weg was jamming some fruit with, with Topher, and uh, all I could see was him shaking his head in complete disapproval of passion fruit. I need fruits help. And bananas. <laughs> Oh my god! <laughs> Banana beer. Uh, and that's a joke, by so the way. I, I, the excitement levels are low uh, of well, your ideas. Look, I've got two very, three very knowledgeable people here. You can help me, help me through this. I'm telling you, this will be a winner. Passion for I, I would love to see Wildside do a passion fruit beer. It's just, it's the most wrong thing I've ever heard. <laughs> And again, it's he's shaking um, his head. It's not going to happen. Yeah. <laughs> and I passionately dislike bananas. So I, that's Thank you, Tova. Right. I am fucking there. <laughs> I actually really don't like bananas. <laughs> Just you know, bananas oh, they're are awful. F- yeah, they suck. It's like, awful. Who wants to eat soggy dick fruit? <laughs> <laughs> oh, wait. Um, we almost made it to the episode. We without, almost made it to we, the end of the episode. We nearly got yeah, there. Yeah, and, uh, without anything that we needed to do with no, that's uh, this yeah. is uh, time to wrap up, isn't it? <sighs> well, how good was it having the champ in the house? It was. It was. Great. It was. And I mean, obviously, there is a full team behind Wildflower, so we are uh, we want to send our congratulations to um, everyone at Wildflower. You know, particularly Luke and Chase, um, Chris as well. Um, everyone behind the scenes. Well, what a champ we have. It's been great. Thank you, guys. It's been really, for me. It's really, really great to have you back on. I reckon part three uh, of the interview will be actually with you in person, probably doing some video stuff. You'll be in a mankini. Scenes. Bottle tops. <laughs> bottle tops. Well, yep, yeah, bottle tops. You'll be down. Bottle tops. Tasmania. I think it's sold out or it's close to. If it's not, buy a ticket. Oh, really? Yeah, buy a ticket now. It goes very quickly. Do it's, we have tickets? Oh, I've got a ticket. I don't know about you. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking thanks for telling me. I've got, I got a spare. Oh, okay. Cheers. Yeah, I've got a <laughs> Yeah, yeah. It's going to be a good time. It's going to be a very good time. And if you can't, like, we can't go to, um, we can't go to the wine event because we're in ga- gaps. Mm. Which yeah, well, and, and sorry, just it, can I like small plug, but just in case it, people it, outside of Tasmania um, listen to your podcast, I don't know. Maybe you guys are very regional. <laughs> I know you're not. <laughs> we're arguably huge. Um, Canberra on the eighth. Yep. At, 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 like all of this is on the website, but Canberra on the eighth, Griffith on the ninth of May. Then we're at the Weedy in Adelaide, which nice. is going to be nice. great on the fourteenth of May. I think that's a Saturday. Yep. yep. Is that a Saturday? No, the fifteenth is the Saturday. No, fifteenth. Anyway, fifteenth is Saturday. That's Mum's birthday. Fifteenth. Fifteenth. We're there. Um, then we're uh, heading to Melbourne for the sixteenth. 
Bar Romantica, which I think is probably sold out as well. Mm-hmm. Weedy will have tickets coming up soon. Romantica's pretty much sold out. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we fly to Perth, yes. which is going to be fucking rad. Where Dutch, and we've got Dutch an event trading, at- maybe? No, Besk. Besk. Ooh. Besk. Ooh. Besk on the Thursday night. Friday After night, twenty first. Oh, he's got the lineup. He's got the lineup here. Yep. Friday the twenty first. C C is C is on Friday. Oh, C well, pretty said. Oh yeah, sorry. Yes, yeah. <laughs> Thank God. No, maybe you found an, an error. That's good. So then, so Besk Besk on the Thursday night. That's pretty master classy. Like that'll be pretty technical pulling some stuff from the cellar, like kind of going a bit broader than just the right side there. But then C30 so is um, yep, the pretty Friday. big party on the Friday. And then we're in Launceston on the 20th. Sunday. So that, that's me and Brian Winemaker together. And then in Canberra, Melbourne, and then at C, we're joined by two friends who were chefs at Tim Williams Street. Excellent place to eat and drink here in Sydney for a while and have both kind of split off and doing their own things now but still maintained a really good relationship and they're Sorry. cooking traveling along with us because they're oh, wow. we're just doing a bit of a vibe it's fun it's the vibe yeah. of the thing that's yeah I'm I am I am sad that we can't go but. I might I might fly back early yeah. I got I got chat flights that can change mm, okay mate. this would be a real hungover just go to um so and we're we're going to be at Havala because Brian Martin from Ravensworth he got fruit from Ricky a two-ton who owns Havilah and made one of his wines from the long way around. So he, it's one of the, that's, you were going to pay me out for like to, no, to no, Hobart, no. but um, we for bottle yeah, that's fair. We're, that's fair. we're going up there for the, that and um, to see Ricky and the space. I've never seen Havilah as well. So yeah, yeah it's going to be a lot of fun. There you go. It's going to be a lot of fun. Get around it, people. If you haven't already, I feel like the week is going to be a wild one. Always, yeah. Jade's got there's there's a there's a show that night. There's a music thing, so we're three to five. Which the last time last time I did an event at the Weedy, it was my second time doing an event there. And she, much like this episode, she said after the first one, she was like, "Well, the next time we do this, we just need to have a wildfire marathon." So it was <laughs> it was five five and a half hours. Yes. Yes. Yeah, you'd enjoy that, Wig. You'd like. <laughs> we'll get you over there for content next time at the weeding. Wig's just trying to see if his um, hard drive can take it. <laughs> just, just was Facebook searching bottle tops to see when it is, but I can't find it. So. No, they're they're like underground, man. They're oh, cool oh, and cool. Facebook. Wolf, yeah, you got you got to find right. a you got to find a poster on a pole, bro. Okay. <laughs> right That's how yeah. that works. QR code type, and shit. then you use the QR code. <laughs> yeah, it's it's nat, it's Natty Wines and Natty Times. So uh, that's not their slogan, but I think it should be. It is. I think it's Natty Wines Good Times, isn't it? Yeah, I think it might be actually. I think I got one of those totes. That's totes. Well, can't thank you enough for joining us. Always so fucking generous with your You're time. Very welcome. Yeah, too kind, um, as always. Really, really. I'm mashing really... in at 5.20 tomorrow morning. Oh, oh you've been Jeez, good to us. what a man. <laughs> to us. Well. Hopefully my kids sleep through the night. <laughs> <laughs> well, everyone, that is your national champ, your brewery of the year, Wildflower. Oh. Topher, thank you, and we bid yeah. you good night. Thank you, guys. Look forward to seeing you uh, at Bottle Tops very soon. Delightful. See ya.
Thanks for listening to the Step Brewers podcast. If you like the show, be sure to rate, subscribe, and leave a review to help other beer lovers discover the podcast.